Best podcasting gear for event interviews. Welcome to the Audacity to Podcast, episode 319. Thank you for joining me for the Audacity to Podcast. I'm Daniel J. Lewis, and this is the award-winning in-depth podcast about podcasting. It's where I give you the guts and teach you the tools to launch and improve your own podcast for sharing your passions and finding success. Recording audio or video podcasts at an event can present all kinds of challenges, whether you're at a noisy event or you're at a smaller event, or maybe you're simply at a coffee shop or you're outdoors. So in this episode, number 319, I'll be sharing the podcasting equipment I recommend to make your production great when you're not able to record inside of your nice acoustically treated, whether that's with clothes or blankets or anything like that, your nice studio, but you're out somewhere else where you can't control the environmental sound. If you'd like to follow along in the show notes for episode 319, then go to theaudacitytopodcast.com slash event gear. Before I get into this, I want to tell you quickly that Podcaster Society is now reopened to new members. So go to podcastersociety.com, check out your options to join over there. You get access to training, support, and community to help you improve every aspect of your podcast after episode one. Check it out at podcastersociety.com. Before you consider your equipment options for remote recording, you need to know that no one expects studio quality when you're away from the studio. Events are noisy, but that's okay for your podcast as long as the primary voices can be heard and understood above that noise. You don't have to run a noise removal or some kind of gate. In fact, maybe you shouldn't because that can make the noise even more distracting than if you leave it in, because a gate will open and close. So when you're not talking, there's absolutely no noise. But when you are talking, there's lots of noise in the background. So people are hearing this, and whatever the bustling noise is, behind you and as the gate is opening and closing. And if you run too much noise removal, then you can corrupt other aspects of your sound, and it can make you sound like you're underwater or not be understood at all because of the way that noise reduction works. But when your audience knows the context of your recording, they will be more forgiving of a difference in quality. See, it's not necessarily lower quality audio. It's simply different because that background audio is providing environmental experience for your audience, an ambiance or ambiance, whichever way you prefer to pronounce it, that your audience can picture in their minds. Even if they're not able to see you in a video, they can see it in their minds. So it's okay if there's background noise, like the bustling of a crowd, the coffee shop noises, the bird chirps as you're outside, the nearby traffic or distant traffic. As long as people can hear and understand you, the other noise is acceptable, especially if you set that context. And you don't have to apologize or explain the noise, such as by saying, I'm recording outside of my studio with different gear at this noisy event, so I apologize for the quality of audio in this episode. There's no reason to say that. But you can help set that context and thus set their expectations by saying something like, I met such and such event. And that lets them know you're somewhere interesting and they can hear proof of how interesting it is by the sound that's in the background. It is actually adding to that experience for them. 
as long as they can hear you and understand what you're saying or whatever other participants you have in your podcast. And then they'll adjust their expectations accordingly. So assuming that you'll be in some kind of noisy environment when you're recording and an environment that you can't control, you can't turn down the noise, you can't get away from it, anything like that, then the biggest things that will affect your podcast audio quality are your microphone's pickup pattern and your own microphone technique. These play in with each other, actually, because the closer you are to the microphone and the more you stay within its pickup range, like with an in-fire cardioid microphone that is a sort of cone from the end of the microphone, when you're staying in that cone and you're staying within an ideal range of the microphone capsule, then it will pick up your voice more than the surrounding background noise. So always ensure that you have the microphone pointed at you, especially if it's a directional microphone of some sort, and that you are as close as possible. Not so close to the microphone that picks up all your mouth noises and your breathing and your plosives popping into the microphone, but close enough that it hears you much more than it hears anything else. And whatever podcasting equipment you choose from the recommendations I'm about to share with you, make sure you test it and familiarize yourself with how to use it before you take it into the field or at an event. The worst audio I've ever published was uh, from recording at CES. It wasn't the fault of the gear. It was user error. I was using someone else's gear and somewhere along the way, either something was bumped or it was misconfigured or something, but it wasn't set up properly. So my recordings had such horrible preamp hiss that it was impossible to edit out without corrupting my audio in other ways. Here's a little sample of that from CES 2014. Tell me more about what's new in the 70D. It's pretty neat. The EOS 70D is really a game-changing camera. There's a new technology called Dual Pixel CMOS AF. So that background hiss that you hear, well, it's not really much background, but that's because the input level on the wireless transmitter was really low. And either the input level on the camera was low or the camera's preamp was adding most of the gain. In either case, the voices were recorded so low that raising them also raised all of the noise with them. And I couldn't fix it. I hated publishing those videos because they sounded so bad. And using the equipment properly could have given me much better results because I was using good gear, but I wasn't using it properly. So please don't fall into that same trap. If you want to hear that audio sample again and even watch the video that I've recorded, I've got some other videos embedded in this episode too, then go to the show notes at theaudacitytopodcast.com slash event gear, or you might see that link inside of your app when you tap to view the show notes. So I'll share with you my recommendations for a simple setup, for higher quality but still simple setup, for sit-down discussions, and for video interviews. Follow along in the show notes and get the links to the products and resources I mentioned. For episode 319 over at theaudacitypodcast.com slash event gear. First, the simple method. Simply a handheld recorder. Something like a Zoom H1 or a Tascam DR22WL is small enough to fit inside your pocket. Yes, literally fit in your pocket. But it has built-in microphones that are good enough for using almost anywhere. When I attended NAB show in 2016, I used a Zoom H1 as my handheld interview mic, and I was really pleased with the results. I put a windscreen on it and a mic flag, so you can't really tell that I'm holding this tiny little Zoom H1. In fact, I am holding it with only two fingers, my index finger and my thumb, and I've got a video in the show notes if you want to look at it. 
But instead of then daintily pinching the end of the recorder, I wrapped the rest of my fingers around as if I was holding a handheld microphone. So you can't really tell that I'm holding this tiny little recorder that's small enough to fit in a pocket. But the audio turned out great. Here's a little sample of it from NAB Show 2016. Marcus, tell me about the Pilot Fly H2. The Pilotfly H2 is a one-hand stabilization gimbal with three axes, toolless design, and comes with a four-way joystick. So the audio sounds great. Yes, there's background noise, but it's totally acceptable. You can hear our voices much more over the other sounds going on in that event. The microphones in the Zoom H1 and the Tascam DR22WL are condenser microphones, but that doesn't mean they pick up more noise. That's a common misconception. Really, most of the things people say about dynamic versus condenser microphones are misconceptions or slight misunderstandings. The condenser microphones in these recorders are directional, so they will pick up more sound from the end of them and reject the sound or reject a good amount of the sound that is around or behind them, kind of like a regular cardioid microphone does. And it worked great for me. And this can work great for those audio-only podcasts. And I used this when I recorded interviews at Podcast Movement 2016, and I will use it at Podcast Movement 2017, which is yet upcoming when I'm recording this episode. I'm planning to ask the question, why did you start your podcast? And I'll have my little Zoom H1 recorder. That's how I'll be recording the responses and including in the podcast. And I did that in episode 278. And the audio quality was great. That was the episode where I shared creative solutions to podcasting problems, asking you, what's a podcasting problem you faced and how did you solve it? Even was able to include Alex Bloomberg from Gimlet inside of that episode. And that was fantastic. So if you want to hear that, jump back to episode 278 or I have that link in the show notes as well. A handheld recorder like the Zoom H1 or the DR22WL can also work for video. You'll see in the show notes, I have a video embedded where that's the recorder I'm using as a regular handheld interview microphone. But it means having to synchronize separately recorded audio and video together, which complicate your workflow, especially if you don't remember to create a synchronization point before you start your recording, like by clapping or snapping close to both microphones, the microphone in your camera and the microphone inside of the recorder. So I'll recommend something else that'll work better for video later on in this episode. Next, for higher quality but still a simple setup, consider a handheld interview mic and a recorder. This not only looks more professional, but it's also more comfortable for use because a handheld interview mic usually has a longer handle because it's designed for being held for interviews. That's why they call it a handheld interview microphone. And then you can connect it directly to a recorder to handle the recording for you. At NAB Show 2015, I borrowed a Sennheiser MD46. This is a cardioid dynamic handheld interview microphone. And it's one of my favorite handheld interview microphones. It has a long handle. It has internal shock protection. And it is a cardioid microphone. So it has a more directional pickup pattern. So it will pick up what I point it at more than the noise around it. I have a video in the show notes that demonstrates the results that I got from this. So you can look at that in the show notes. Here's a little sample of that audio. Hi, I'm Daniel J. Lewis from the AudacityPodcast.com. I'm here at the Tascam booth at NAB with Dan from Tascam. Dan, tell me about this DR10X. 
Well, Dan, the DR10X is a plug-on recorder for any dynamic microphone or battery power condenser. And this video you should also see if you haven't seen it already, because this is the next piece of equipment I recommend with this particular setup. You can't go somewhere and record with only a microphone. You have to record into something that actually records. So this particular device that Dan from Tascam was demonstrating in this video is the Tascam DR10X. It's a plug-on XLR recorder. So instead of other recorders like the Zoom H1, the Zoom H5, H6, and such, where you have to plug a microphone in via a cable, so then you have a cable to manage, and I even demonstrate that in my video showing that here I've got this great Sennheiser interview microphone, but a cable then running into a recorder that's sitting on the floor. I've also tried running the cable through my sleeve, and that was annoying and just weird. But what the DR10X does is it's a recorder that plugs directly into the XLR microphone. It's around $100 in the U.S., probably lower at this time. And this then records the audio from only that one microphone. So then you get the cord-free freedom of a digital audio recorder, but you get the higher quality of whatever fantastic interview microphone that you want to connect. And it looks pretty cool, too, because it looks like a wireless system, but it's not. It's recording directly into it. The preamp in the DR10X is not good enough for recording in a quiet studio, so don't think you can get a really nice studio microphone and simply plug in this Tascam recorder to it and that be your podcast recording. You could, but it does pick up some hiss. But when you're recording in a noisy environment, like an event or outdoors, that hiss will probably be quieter than the ambient noise, so you don't have to worry as much about that preamp hiss. Another great microphone that you could connect to a recorder like this would be the Electrovoice RE50 NDL. This is my other favorite handheld interview microphone. Similar to the Sennheiser MD46, the Electrovoice RE50 NDL is an XLR dynamic microphone with a really nice long handle. But whereas the MD46 is directional with its cardioid pickup pattern, the RE50 NDL is omnidirectional. And by the way, RE50 comes in multiple models. If it has the L, that's the long-handled version. The ND is for special magnets that they use that make it more sensitive, kind of like the Electrovoice RE320 is more sensitive than the RE20. It's because the RE320 has the ND magnets inside of it. So the RE50 ND is more sensitive than the regular RE50, and the L means it has a long handle. And it's omnidirectional. So this is more forgiving if you're not very good at pointing the microphone interview style back and forth between you and whoever's talking, which you would need to do with a cardioid microphone because it won't pick up very well if you're not talking into the end of it. But with the RE50 NDL, you can hold it between you and the person you're talking to, and it will pick up both voices pretty well. It still does a better job if you point it back and forth, certainly. But it's more forgiving if you're not as comfortable pointing things back and forth like that. And the long handle with either of these microphones is really nice for single microphone interviews because then your arm doesn't have to work so hard to point the microphone back and forth. And I'm not saying that, oh, this is such hard work, first world problems. But after a day of doing these interviews and pointing the microphone back and forth and holding the microphone in front of you, your arm can get tired and it is causing some extra stress. So if you have a longer handle microphone, 
you're not having to work as hard or reach as far to get the microphone to the ideal position. Look at the show notes, the audacitypodcast.com slash event gear, and watch the video with Tascam of me holding the MD-46, and then compare that to the video with Pilotfly where I was holding the Zoom H1, and notice that I have to reach much farther to get the microphone in front of the other person. I have to hold the microphone up higher it was much less comfortable for me. So a long handle can reduce how much you have to move around. And both microphones, by the way, are also internally shock mounted so that they reduce some of that handling noise. I still recommend that you try not to rub the microphone or bump it or anything like that. But because they have some internal shock protection, they can help reduce the kind of sound that picks up when you're handling the microphone and pointing it back and forth. Like the previous option, Using this kind of setup with a nice handheld interview microphone going directly into a recorder, whether that's the DR10X, or you hack things together with a little cable going into like a Zoom H5, H6, or something else like that, it can still work for video, yes, but you also have to do the manual synchronization, make your sync point inside of the audio, and then adjust that later on to make sure that your audio is perfectly aligned with the video. There's a better option for that. I'll tell you about that in a moment. So these two options that I just shared are good for the record and run style interviews where you have to move around a lot. They're really simple, they're compact, they're extremely portable, but they do require a little bit of skill for you to remember to point the microphone back and forth and hold it the right distance from your voice. If, however, you want to have sit-down discussions at some event, maybe you have a booth or a designated recording area, you're going to be mostly stationary, in other words, then you can use some more versatile options. I recommend the Zoom H5, the Zoom H6, the Sound Devices Mix Pre 3, or the Sound Devices Mix Pre 6, and I have links to all of those in the notes if you're interested. These recorders are good enough for directly connecting microphones to them, and you can connect multiple microphones to them, so everyone you're talking to can have their own microphone. And you can even add an optional headphone splitter and a pair of headphones for each participant so that they can hear you better and they can hear when they're on mic versus off mic to help them then stay close to the microphone. And it also makes it much easier to hear each other when you're recording so that you're not having to shout in order to be heard. Instead, you would be hearing each other through the headphones, which is picking up your voice through the microphones. Then when you have one of these recorders, you simply need enough microphones for however many people are going to be in your podcast. XLR microphones with some kind of reasonable and portable desktop stand. I don't recommend that you bring your Heil PR40 or ElectroVoice RE320 or something like that with your big boom arm or a big microphone stand because you need something portable so you can easily move and that doesn't take up much space when you're packing things up. That's one of the reasons why I like the new repackaged Samsung Q2U microphone. The Q2U is very similar to the Audio-Technica ATR2100 USB and the Audio-Technica AT2005 USB. All three of these microphones are USB and XLR microphones, and they're pretty inexpensive. The Samsung Q2U is usually cheaper than these other microphones, especially outside of the United States. It's significantly more affordable to get the Samsung Q2U than the Audio-Technica microphones. And they all sound about the same. They have the same features and such. But this new repackage of the Samsung Q2U no longer includes those really cheap headphones that you pretty much just need to throw away. But the Q2U now includes 
a windscreen for the microphone, a nice little add-on, and for that tiny desktop stand, just like the Audio-Technica microphones come with, the Samson Q2U adds a little riser to that stand. So you get a few more inches or about a dozen more centimeters of height on top of that little desktop stand so it can bring the microphone closer to the voice and make it much more comfortable for you and your other participants. You could get your own little desktop stand as well for a microphone that positions it in just the right place, like maybe a gooseneck stand or something else that's small and portable. But with this option, your setup is then a recorder, microphones, cables, and possibly headphones. Small enough to pack into a small carrying case and extremely portable, and you can still get really good quality recordings from that. And it can be much more comfortable for someone to sit down and have a conversation instead of standing up having to point the microphone back and forth. And the conversations can feel a lot more natural that way too. There have been several podcasters inside Podcaster Society who have used this kind of setup and had great results, like Lee Ball from This Is Rami podcast, or Jason Bryant from Matt Talk Online, or Max Flight from Airplane Geeks. They've all used similar setups, whether that be an H5 or an H6, different kinds of microphones, but it was nicely compact and portable for them to be able to record at events. And by the way, if you use the Zoom H6 or even the H5, then you'll love my new Zoom H6 for Podcasters course, which is now completely available. There's no more pre-order. When you order it, you get instant access to the Zoom H6 course. So if you're interested in that, most of it does still apply to the H5, but it is really designed for the Zoom H6. So if you want to check that out and purchase your own copy so you can learn how to use the Zoom H6 the best, then visit the link in the show notes at theaudacitypodcast.com slash event gear or tap to see the show notes inside your app. So this method of recording into a recorder with multiple microphones and all of these other methods I just shared can work for video, but they're not ideal for video because it means having to synchronize separately recorded audio. Whenever you get into video, it adds an extra dimension to all of your equipment, your recording, your process, your workflow. So if you can afford it, I highly recommend upgrading to something that allows you to simplify your workflow, reduce those complications. And the best way to do that for video would be with a wireless system so you can record audio from your microphone directly into your video camera and it's recorded into the same video file and thus, you don't have to try and synchronize the audio and video later or manage multiple files, make sure your correct audio files are with your correct video files. That can turn into a pain. I've done it for years, but no more. Because I recommend, and I finally recently purchased this for myself because I was just fed up with the separate audio video synchronizing. So I recommend and have now purchased for myself the Rode RodeLink News Shooter Kit. This is like their other wireless system, the RodeLink Filmmaker Kit. It's a completely digital wireless system. It smartly adjusts to the best channel and it uses the more modern 2.4 gigahertz spectrum. So there's not as much interference. And because it's digital, it can nicely jump between different channels without you losing your audio signal. And it's all doing that for you based on signal strength and an interference. The Filmmaker Kit includes a transmitter and a receiver. The transmitter is meant to connect only to 3.5 millimeter microphone inputs. And so the Rode Link Filmmaker Kit includes Rode's fantastic lavalier microphone. It's an omnidirectional condenser microphone. Really sounds really good. Really high quality lavalier microphone. And that is great for solo video shooting in a controlled environment. 
like your own studio, whatever you define studio as for yourself. But it's not very good for events, especially for interviews, because it's not reasonable to point a little lavalier microphone back and forth. It doesn't look professional, and it doesn't produce really good sounding results. Thus, I prefer the greater versatility of the news shooter kit over the filmmaker kit, because the news shooter kit does still include a transmitter and a receiver, but the transmitter is an XLR plug-on, so you can connect it to any kind of XLR microphone. Thus, you could get the Sennheiser MD46 or the Electrovoice RE50NDL and wirelessly transmit the audio from that great interview mic directly into your camera. So then post-production is significantly easier. What I also like about the new shooter kit is that that transmitter does still include a 3.5 millimeter input so that you could connect a lavalier microphone to it. It doesn't come with a lavalier microphone like the Filmmaker kit is. But you can get your own lavalier microphone, whether that be something like the JK Mic J044 or the Giant Squid Audio Labs lavalier microphone or something from one of the other great lavalier microphone creators. You could connect that to the transmitter or you could plug it into your handheld interview mic. And when you do this, where you're using a wireless system going into your camera, I recommend that you set the gain level as appropriate on the wireless system, and then turn the camera's input gain all the way off and then bump it up one notch or one little bump. So it's it's almost off. That way the camera is doing very little work for amplifying the signal. The camera's preamps are not good at all. They'll generate a lot of hiss. So by turning its input all the way down and turning up the input on that wireless transmitter and receiver, then you're letting the equipment designed for handling audio, handle the audio, and letting the camera handle the video, but accept that high-quality audio signal coming into it, and thus getting a very clean audio recording. And you'll see me using this gear the next time I record video interviews. I'll be recording into the Electrovoice RE50 NDL, because Electrovoice was so generous to give me one when I interviewed them at NAB show one time. And I'll be then transmitting through a Roadlink news shooter kit into my Canon DSLR or Sony mirrorless camera to record the audio and video directly into the same file. So no more clapping, snapping, synchronizing. Oh, it's so nice to not have that pain anymore. In fact, if you go to podcastersociety.com and watch the video over there, the new promo video that's just a scroll down on that main page. That is one of the first videos I recorded using the news shooter kit. I'm using a lavalier microphone connected to that 3.5 millimeter input instead, but it was so nice to not have to mess with synchronizing separately recorded audio. It was just right there inside of the video file itself. And I loved that. So pick which one of these is affordable for you and makes your life the easiest. I really think that if you can scrape together a little bit more, save up for a little longer and invest in something better that makes your workflow better and gives you better quality, I don't think you'll regret that. But make sure that you can't afford it and get the option that's most reasonable and affordable for you. So if you want to check out these options and purchase through my affiliate links, and also see some of these demo videos that I mentioned, then go to the show notes for episode 319 at theaudacitypodcast.com slash event gear. And I'd love for you to join Podcaster Society, where I help you with everything after episode one. And it's not only me. 
There are nine experts right now and more to come in the future too who can help you with stuff like WordPress, search engine optimization, finding sponsors, building community, editing your audio, getting better interviews, building a content strategy, and much more. Podcaster Society helps you to improve your podcast and grow your podcast. So if you've already published episode one or you're beyond episode 100, Podcaster Society is for you even if you're a hobbyist podcaster. Because although we talk about profit, we make profit stand for something, which I think is a great statement because the letters in profit, P-R-O-F-I-T, actually stand for something inside Podcaster Society. And it doesn't only have to be money because we think everyone needs to profit from the podcast, including your audience. That doesn't have to be money. So if you're interested in making your podcast better, improving it and growing it, then check out Podcaster Society and join today over at podcastersociety.com. I've got a couple iTunes reviews I'd like to read and some interesting lessons to pull from this. First, Mark Strakowski from the United States and host of the Mark Strakowski podcast wrote, In early July 2017, I decided to join the podcast movement but had no idea how. So I went to my iOS podcast player and searched podcast and Daniels is one of the first ones that popped up. Hey, look. Search engine optimization worked. In just a few weeks and after about 10 episodes, I've learned so much. Because of Daniel, my show notes are not boring. They are more detailed. More than anything, Daniel has given me the confidence. And, hey, my side note, dare I say, the audacity. And he goes on, to create the Mark Strakowski podcast, which is about taking your productivity to the next level. Thank you very much, Mark, for that kind review. And here's a description of Mark's podcast from Apple Podcasts. It says, are you overwhelmed by your to-do list? Do you struggle with getting things done? Who's the boss, you or your time? My name is Mark Strakowski, and as a next-level productivity specialist, I can help you get more of the right things done. So check that out. I have a link in the show notes. I'm not going to try and spell his last name for you, but I do have the links in the show notes at the website and only a tap away inside your app. And thanks to David Caddy, who goes by Dusty Stripes in iTunes, from Australia and co-host of the Tangential Soup, wrote, I discovered the Audacity to Podcast six months ago when I was gearing up to start my own. I've been an avid listener since and have caught up on plenty of the back catalog. See, again, when someone likes a podcast, they often catch up on the back episodes. Daniel regularly shares words of wisdom from his years of casting experience, and his passion is infectious. There's another thing. See, enthusiasm breeds enthusiasm. When you are passionate, you attract a passionate audience. And David said, the episode discussing loudness levels has proven especially invaluable in improving the quality of my podcast. Thank you very much for that kind review. And here is the description for the Tangential Soup podcast. It says, in this weekly podcast, childhood friends Alexander Carr and David Caddy talk about life in Australia, technology, fitness, food, games, work, whatever. I'm sure they have nice Australian accents as well. So you can check out David's podcast and Mark's podcast. I have links to both of these in the show notes at theaudacitypodcast.com slash event gear, or you can see them inside of your app with a simple hat. Remember that Podcaster Society is reopened now, and I'd love to have you in it to help you make your podcast amazing, helping you with your content, presentation, production, promotion, and profit. 
for hobbyists and professional podcasters. Podcaster Society is for you. You get access to all of the courses I've created. You get access to exclusive tutorials, discounts, training, community, and much more. Check it out at podcasterssociety.com. I'd love to help you improve your podcast so it can be amazing. That's podcasterssociety.com. Now that I've given you some of the guts and taught you some of the tools, it's time for you to go launch and improve your own podcast for sharing your passions and finding success. I'm Daniel J. Lewis from the audacitypodcast.com. Thanks for listening. The Audacity to Podcast is a proud member of Noodle Mix Network. Find more of our award-winning and award-nominated podcasts to make you think, laugh, and succeed at noodle.mx.